2: August 31st, September's right around the corner. We got real big football games tonight. Scott, how are you doing? What's new? Uh, happy Thursday to you. And uh, how are you doing with tonight's uh, football game that you have to deal with? Uh, we'll see. My son's
3: first football game. Uh, he's a hell of an athlete, but I don't know how much football he's been learning so far. But uh, I have—I don't have good feelings about it. I've, I've watched enough youth football, high school football, to, to, to be a little nervous about the what's going to happen in this game tonight. And I think there's going to be a lot of pre-snap penalties, a lot of uh, discombobulation. I just want him to try and have a good time. I think the first time he grabbed a kickoff return and took off, they're like, okay, that's your job. You know, he's he's fast as hell. So mm-hmm. um, he might have a plenty of chances to return kickoffs tonight. Nice. <laughs> I asked him, I said, are you playing defense? He's like, yeah, I think I'm playing some safety. I'm like, have you practiced any safety? He's like, no. Okay. Have you guys you run know. any
2: plays? Mm, not really. Fundamentals. Oh, Fundamentals. Yeah, I mean, obviously you said you're not sure how much football he knows. Uh he's obviously been watching the show because uh he wouldn't get anything from here, but uh... That's right, that's right. So yeah, <laughs> this is he's he knows about as much as I do, I guess. Yeah, so that's uh I'm you know sure it'll be fine and I'll hopefully be healthy. It's gotta be a weird situation to be there and having watched as much football as you and I have. To now be watching your son play is probably a totally different watching experience.
3: Well, it's that your sport is the easy is the hardest to watch as a, as a dad. So for me, it was soccer. As he's playing soccer, there's things that just become so natural to watch. You're like, why aren't you doing the basic, You know, the stuff that just seems just that is basic. That like, of course, everybody knows this. That's the hard one. Baseball was a little easier. What I like is. He, it's put him in the weight room five days a week and mm-hmm. he's turning into a freaking beast and he mm-hmm. could already hit the hell out of a baseball. So uh, I'm, I'm I'm happy that the, the strength and conditioning program that's going with the football and how that translates to baseball. I'm all about it, man. There <laughs> you stay go. Healthy.
2: Yeah. Stay healthy. Yeah. Stay for sure. Stay healthy and big football games tonight. We got some real life ones coming through and uh, we'll talk about real life ones coming through Michael Ronquillo with the superstars. Coming in here, thank you so much, Michael. He says, "Good morning, Nick and Scott. On Broncos for breakfast, go Broncos and Buck them. Buck you too, Michael. Happy Thursday to you. Hope you had a good August and uh, rolling right along into September here. Excited. Uh, I don't like either of these teams, but I'll be watching tonight. Minnesota, Nebraska. I uh, hope that can they both lose. That'd be great. And then uh, we also have Florida versus Utah. So uh, some some decent uh, Power Five games going on here, kicking off this Thursday. So." excited to watch that and you know get in the groove. It feels like there's a crisp in the air. It's football season. So excited to talk with you guys today. I know there's uh, not get- much Rockies talk in here, but I just want to thank the city of
3: uh Denver for being gracious hosts to the Atlanta Braves this 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 week. I think
2: every every city's been a gracious host to the Braves this year. We got 4 in part. LA this week. That'll be a pretty good series. Yeah. Well, I'm a Cardinal fan, but uh, the Mariners have been a lot of hype here. I think they won the most games in a single month in franchise history uh, this week. Uh, hell, and they had about 110 win season, so they yep. must be they must have had a pretty good month. They've been on fire. They're first place in the AL West now, and there's everybody rocking. It's weird because it feels like it's more of a football town here at the Seahawks, but everybody's rocking Mariners gear. I do not see that much seahawks gear in seattle so i don't know uh go M's. i mean any, i think any seattle's taste? just a good sports town because they're all about the sounders too yes they love you know so
3: there's a lot of sounders they're they're they support their their franchises in seattle i think it's a yeah i
2: think it's a a, a good a good sports town yes it is it's, it's yes, a shame it they is. lost the sonics hopefully they'll come back i still see them rocking their gear and they love the kraken too it's fun uh david youngkin coming in saying it really depends on russ he's talking about if the uh the prompt of today's show, Greg Rosenthal, he says it uh, really depends on if Russ and if he's a team player and the offense plays like the third and fourth string guys did against the Rams. I can tell you pretty confidently that the absolute shellacking that we saw last Saturday with the Broncos winning 41-0 versus the Rams is unlikely to repeat itself this year because how often do you see 41-0 games in general, I mean, the the numerator there, the denominator is <laughs> next, or the numerator, I guess, is next to nothing. So probably won't see that again, but see more comments. Yeah, like once or twice
3: across the entire landscape of the NFL, you'll see a, a game that one-sided.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, I mean, scoring 40 points is in itself, you know, an oddity. And then 41 to zero, I mean, holy bleep, that's unbelievable. Uh, Kevin Gray <clears throat> in the house saying, morning, Nick and Scott, big mile high salute. Good to see you. Hope you're doing well. We got Sting Guy coming in over on YouTube. Hope you're doing well. Sting guy says good morning. What do you guys? Guy. He's a guitar man. You know what? Ours, <laughs> is, what Sting guy, Uh string guy, string guy. See, I'm a violinist, so I should be able to get this. Yeah, there. He's a, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't
3: correct you if I didn't know it was that the string is actually very important here. That's a guitar, and I can see the
2: guitar. You yeah. need to bring up the the brightness on that picture a little bit, but the, yes, the string guy. I mean, what do you guys have done differently? from Peyton and Peyton on this roster. I would have not traded the kicker and saved draft picks and kept Albert Okoibun at least till mid-season. I think anything that I would have done differently wouldn't have been massively different. Uh, I, th- I also am not working with all the information. Like, I don't know which guys are injured to the point where they need to be put on the short-term IR, and that would change the numbers. Like, right now, you look at the roster, it's like, I probably wouldn't have kept so many cornerbacks and safeties. But, but... Are three of those guys going to end up on the uh, short-term IR? That completely changes the math. So um, that's it. I, I also probably would have pushed a little bit harder to get more value from Alberto Cuevanom in the trade that they got, uh, and if not, then kept him, and then maybe got rid of J.L. Skinner or something on there and kept Alberto Uh, But that's one that uh, small potatoes overall.
3: I just I get the feeling, we we hinted at this during the week, that Alberto Cuevanom's bed had already been made. You know he's weekend. been through three different coaching staffs. It's like, yeah, we we've seen the highs, you know, mm-hmm. and basically that was over the weekend. That was as good as he's played in his four seasons now in Denver, three plus. Three different coaching staffs have deemed, I really don't want this guy. Okay, what did you get for him? What was the what was the uh, the trade value that you were able to get for him? Nothing. It was uh it was almost a procedural thing that we'll send you over here. So. We'll swap a seventh and a sixth in twenty twenty five. Um, so and you were about to cut him, and people knew you were about to cut him, and nobody came in and said, "Here, here's a fifth. We want him right now." You know. So, I, again, I think the stuff that we don't see at practice and the effort that is being put in. I mean, how do you not play special teams at 6'5", 260 pounds with a you know with a sub four five forty? That's a get them and play. He's too good an athlete to have had this little production. I think his bed was already made. What would I have done different string guy? I don't know. Again, do I need to keep 13 defensive backs? Probably not. Let's look and see on Wednesday where this Mm -hmm. roster shakes out because we might find out what the Broncos would have done differently. Some of these moves aren't necessarily being made for your week one roster.
4: Mm -hmm.
2: Yeah, and just. Put in a bow, I'm sure I'll talk about it again, but put in a bow on the Alberto Coebinam uh stuff. I think it's almost as much to do with their love and appreciation and hopes for Nate Atkins, undrafted free agent, as it is for Alberto Coebinam. I mean, each great Peyton and uh each Peyton, both of them on the press conference, spent about five minutes talking about Nate Atkins. I mean, George uh, uh George Peyton let it slip that he was almost their draft pick instead of Alex Forsythe there. And uh, he had a pretty so darn good. So what? Yeah, he still, uh, I thought, you know, going back and watching him, he had a pretty darn good preseason. Uh, he's a versatile player. Uh, he offers you much more on special teams. We're talking about a guy who probably is not going to get too much usage, but he's going to be active every week, and they're going to have packages for him. So I think it's more to do with how much they really do actually like Nate Atkins. And again, we're talking about a back end of the roster, guys. It's not like I'm talking about a superstar here, but same thing with Alberto Koivinam. So. Uh that's a I think it's probably more to do with Nate Adkins.
3: Listen, we all know it's way more fun to be there live for Denver Broncos football. And when you need tickets, Ticketmaster's got you covered. As the official marketplace of the Denver Broncos and the NFL, Ticketmaster gives you more ways to find your perfect seat with a wide selection of tickets available for every game. And if your plans change, Ticketmaster gives you more flexibility to sell or transfer your tickets. Plus, mobile tickets make getting in on game day a breeze. And you can even customize your Ticketmaster app to rep your team's colors, that beautiful orange and blue. Find tickets today at Ticketmaster.com slash Denver Broncos.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all Just go to indeed.com slash blue wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about indeed on this podcast. That's indeed.com slash blue wire terms and conditions apply need to hire. You need indeed.
3: Alberto. We will see. I, I think as much time has been spent talking about Nate Atkins in the preseason as impact he will actually make during the regular season. Because like you said, he's a back end of the roster guy. He's a
2: 53. Special teams. And I think long-term potential with uh, the fullback spot as well uh, with that versatility. So I I think it's, again, another thing. It's the one year of contractual control versus four uh, with Atkins, which for roster building really does matter if you like both those guys closely.
3: Yeah, but Albert would have been cheap. I mean, it's it's not like you're like, you you could assign him to a four-year extension for, $8 million do- dollars at, at most. I mean, but maybe he doesn't want to come it back. It a money thing, man. It, it was a, it, this, this, I have, f- I fully believe this was an effort and attitude through the three years that he was a Denver Bronco.
2: Yeah. Uh, and uh, also just one, final, <laughs> one final thing. Alberto Cuebinom was a regime prior for front office. Two regimes prior for coaching staff. So right.
3: Nate he's had his chances three times I don't want to hear that this guy hadn't gotten a chance he said three coaching
2: staffs yep so it's it is what it is um no use crying over it I probably would have kept him considering how little they got back and made a way to have both of them on the roster if I liked him so much but that's just me and we'll see how it plays out Jesse James Richardson comes in over on Facebook says what happened to Baron Browning why haven't we seen him uh Baron Browning has been injured he was placed on the pup uh, before the season uh, team activities even started. Therefore, he is still on the PUP. He can be reactivated, uh, I think, after four games off the PUP list. And because he was on PUP before team activities commenced this offseason, he doesn't account for the roster math at all. The same situation was we were moving towards that situation with Mike Purcell, but then he passed a physical and was acted uh, and activated to the roster. So he, he's off the PUP, but Browning is still on the PUP. And uh, therefore... This doesn't count towards the roster math and could be back uh, week five at the soonest, I believe.
3: Yeah, you, you've got it. So and, and you're allowed to when you come off a pup, you're allowed to start practicing. And then you've got, I think, three or four weeks where you can have the person before they start counting on their roster. I think
2: I think you're right. But You have
3: to make a decision whether to pup them for the rest of the year to injured reserve them. Yes. or to uh to, to activate them in that four-week span. So you can say he's been activated from PUP. That means he's out there working and you have a decision to make.
2: And I think you have some time before you make that decision. And one final tidbit of information on the PUP. Uh, starting last season, you could activate players off the short-term IR, but you only have a set number of players you can activate off the short-term IR. I believe it's eight. It That's could the number be six. we've heard, yeah. I believe it's eight. Browning does not count towards that number because he is not a short-term IR. He is a pup player. Uh, So let's say PJ Locke goes on short-term IR. uh, Kwon Williams goes off a short-term IR. Those guys come off, then you have less, less, uh, less and less players that you actually can activate off that unit. Browning will not count towards that math. So really a benefit for the Broncos and Browning uh, to keep him on the pup. That's where he is. Hopefully he'll come back and hopefully we can have a five-deep edge-rushing room when he comes back, but you never know with injuries, and maybe he'll come just in time when the Broncos need reinforcements. Hopefully not, though. Austin H says, hello, good to see you, Sean Burns. Hope you're doing well, Sean Burns. We got DWI guys, Ethan. How you doing? Says, good morning, in Broncos country. Orange Bucky says, 10-day countdown begins. Austin H says, I've seen the discussions about the four undrafted free agents that made the 53. Is that more of a credit to the team in totality, or the lack of depth in the roster is what I've seen, hoping towards them being all successful. I think it's a little column, a a little column B. I think you don't probably have four undrafted free agents make the team. If you were so, if you weren't so barren in draft picks over the last two drafts, it's not just Mm -hmm. this one where you only had a small class, the one, but before you also were dealing with a smaller uh, class than typical uh, and also guaranteed guys making the roster type of, you know, top 100 picks. So, I think that is uh, it's a little of both, but excited to see what both these guys are. Also, I think the Alex Peshevsky stuff, I think he's one that's destined for the short-term IR. I don't know if he would have truly, truly made it if he wasn't heading that way. Uh, he saw a hand specialist. Sounds like he's going to be on the short-term IR here pretty soon. I agree with Nick. Some of it's accounting. Some of it's mm-hmm. I want my guys in here
3: for a new regime, and you didn't have enough draft picks to have rookie contracts to balance your books. Yep. So I, I think that's part of it. And, and a couple of these guys can play um i'm not taking anything away from jaleel mclaughlin jaleel mclaughlin makes this team regardless Mm -hmm. um does thomas Incombe, if you had 10 draft picks you know 20 draft picks on the team from from the last two years he may have been a draft pick then if you (laughs) if you had if you had 20 draft picks at the spot he's a he's a good player um
2: but I, i think that's part of it it's a good question yeah thank you so much we got gary palmer talking about thank you Thank you. Gary 999 says good morning, Nick and Scott go Broncos and Buckham. Hope you're doing well. And uh, always appreciate you coming in and saying hello to us. I see Jeremy's Sean's in the house Says morning boys. Biggest takeaway for me is keeping only four receivers, three healthy and nine rookies, all five drafted and four undrafted free agents. I think that the Broncos aren't going to be the only team that this is doing this. I think the Colts as well, but they only have four receivers on the roster. But there is a plethora of wide receiver five, six, seven types in the league. And you know what you can do, Scott? You can just continually add them to your practice squad, elevate them. Once they have their three games, sayonara. We'll replace you with another vet uh, or young player to come in. And the wheel keeps spinning.
3: It's harsh, but I agree with you. You've got Philip Dorsett. I always called him Dorset, but it was Tony Dorsett. So yeah. I'm not sure on that one. David Silzer's two little Jordan Humphrey. There's three. I got Michael Bandy. There's four. So I've got four guys that I can elevate three times each before I have to make any kind of decision on them. There's your fifth wide receiver. It's a, it's an aggregate of those guys that I can keep on the practice squad that I can, that I can move around for 12 games and I can sign as many practice squad guys. I can move guys in and off the practice squad pretty much as much as I want. So there's your wide receiver five for now but I agree with you, Jeremy. It, it does bode. To, it goes to say, it's like, listen, when we're looking at the depth of this, of this room, it's not great. And we said that all along it's, it's okay. Who's four or five. Does it, does it matter? I don't really like any of these guys for, Oh, this guy really has to be on there. We can talk Kendall Hinton, but aside from the nostalgia, Kendall Hinton has just over, you know, 450 yards of receiving in four years. You know, that's just a guy y'all. Um, so your fifth wide receiver is on the practice squad in an aggregate of four guys right now.
2: Yeah. And at the same time, Broncos aren't going to be the only team doing this. So you're going to see these guys being passed around, uh, rostered and rostered. I mean, I really (laughs) do think that there's some really bad analogies we could use about this. Yeah. I, I drove past that. It also entered my mind and I was like, you know what steer clear. We're going to you know, take the high road on that one. Uh, but you know, they're just going to hop around, you know, roster to roster. Uh, a lot of those guys, I'm curious to see, maybe you end up striking gold uh, with one. Uh, but yeah, I think that that's the, that's probably the way the Broncos are going with this. And I think they're far from the only team that is taking that route. So going to be interesting
3: to follow. Yeah, and, and Mr. Roush uh, Dorset is going to be a practice squad guy. He's He's going to be one of the four that will be added to the practice squad. Uh, Sean Payton confirmed that officially at his his,
2: uh, press conference yesterday. Yep. And I honestly really like David Sills as well. My assumption would be in that room that because he's been here the longest and had the most impact, you're going to see little Jordan Humphrey uh, be somebody that the first three games, maybe they go two and then do Michael Bandy in for a game as well, just because they're getting worked in there. But I'd, I'd assume he's the dude early. Wouldn't surprise me a bit to see two guys flexed on week one. From the
3: practice squad, I wouldn't surprise me a bit to see Philip Dorsett and and Little Jordan Humphrey flexed on Week One. Certainly possible. Certainly possible. Uh, we'll, we'll, we will definitely see. U.S. US Dave, Dave comes in and says Montreal, Washington will be our greatest asset, pinning the Chiefs back at their four yard line. Uh, he's on the practice squad too. You know there was some some talk about the Chiefs signed him, and you know this and this and this. I don't think you're going to see Montreal, Washington. Um, he's on the practice squad. You know because you know I signed with him last year. Melvin Gordon. Melvin Gordon signed on the practice squad. You didn't see him either, so I don't. I don't expect to see Montreal Washington
2: active when the Broncos and Chiefs hook up. Yeah, I mean, honestly, not to be dark about it, but I mean, how much? Given how bad he was and everything, I almost wonder if it's partially. We want a little bit of information about the offense and install and special teams. You don't need to worry too much about that with a team that you've beaten 16 times in a row. Uh, margins matter. I, I don't know. I like know I, but it's it, that That's not it. I, I, I don't think so. Coaches are psychopaths about that kind of stuff. <laughs> I mean, like Jim Harbaugh, you know, kicking and screaming about like, practice tape going up against Hawaii or something. You know, like they are. They are nuts as I know. Freaks. I know.
3: They think they're guarding nuclear secrets. I've, yes, I've seen it. It was fun because, you know, I broke into this business in the SEC, and Saban wasn't quite there yet at Alabama. But, um, Mar- uh, who was it? Mark, how do I forget his name? What school? Georgia. they there forever. Ricked. Mark Ricked. Oh man, they were guarding state secrets over there. And then when mm-hmm. when Saban gets over to to Alabama, it's even worse. I mean stay away, get away, nothing. Press is allowed here. They're not allowed to look at this field where we're doing special teams. And then in USC's heyday, it was right when I moved over to uh, to LA and I covered USC's praxis for uh, a, a fall. Pete Carroll's like, yeah, come on in. Do what you want. Film what you want. We're good. We know it. Have fun. Like,
2: thank you. I like this guy. He didn't take himself too seriously. Just a funny anecdote for that. So I was the University of Iowa's practice field for football is pretty close to their baseball stadium. And there was a Iowa-Iowa State baseball game going on. And the Iowa State, or Iowa put up on the screen, do not look over at the football field, do not record towards the football field, eyes on the baseball field only. Essentially, is what they were saying. What
3: that it's make like, you want to do?
1: <laughs> Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance.
2: God, rubber knocking yeah right like
3: <laughs> didn't even know there was a game going on behind me until you pointed it out and told me i couldn't
2: just it's crazy these guys uh but uh yeah shout out to the real ones i don't know if you saw the there was a bit going around yesterday where andy reed was doing an interview and i wish i could hate andy reed but you just can't um and he did a play where a uh a janitor came up to him and drew out a play for him and he's like wow this is pretty damn good and he actually called the play and it scored a touchdown versus the packers for the uh the chiefs so i mean andy reed is a God, I wish I could hate him. It's a—it's uh, well, easier that, to hate that, that Patrick sounds, Mahomes. Sounds a little like, you know. Uh, Goodwill hunting? No. Where is my brain today? Apple TV, Ted. Ted Lasso. Lasso. Yes, 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 yes. The you. kid guy. Yeah, of yeah. course. Classic show, Ted Lasso. We uh, Hopefully we'll see if there's been off there. But Jamal Killings coming in said morning, Broncos country. Good to see you. Greg Smith in the house. Good morning to you, Greg. John Libbix in the house. Good morning, John. We got Joseph Samedini. Sedem- Samadini, Samadini, Samadini. Joseph, thank you very
3: much for the stars, my friend. This is, uh, this so is like here. a newer
2: name, so thank you for yeah. the support coming in. Over on Facebook. Thank you so much, Joseph. Hope you have a good week. Hope you've had a good week. Good Thursday. Dom's in the house. Good morning, Nick and Scott. Ready for the great series this weekend between the Braves and Dodgers? That should be a good one. That'll be, I mean, that might be a preview of what's to come. Um, and Perry West coming in $5, saying an individual player can return to the injured reserve, the short term injured reserve list, a maximum of twice per season. But each time it counts against the team's total allotment of eight designations. So you can return eight guys, and a player can only return twice. So yeah, I think you run out of time by then. Anyway, but you IR was like
3: four week IR game. All right, you go back on the four week IR game. Yeah, you're almost out of time by that point. Yeah. You're you're week ten.
2: Yeah, it's it's close. If I'm gonna IR
3: again, that would be
2: another four weeks. So yeah, get on my math here, but yeah,
3: it, it might even sense. like.
2: You might even play it conservative with them uh, when you do that. If they go on the second time, you might like wait until the end of the year. If you really need them, uh, Mark Reinhardt coming in here uh, saying I'm lacking confidence in Garrett confidence in Garrett Bowles. I think a lot of Broncos country is with you in terms of nervousness about Garrett Bowles. I will say to his credit, he looked more and more comfortable uh, with each passing game. I guess it's only a sample size of two, but he looked much better against the 49ers than he did against the Cardinals against better competition, than the 49ers. So Hoping for the best. I know he suffered a broken leg, which is, you know, that's still serious coming back from a broken leg, especially as a 300 pounder. Maybe our expectations are at least mine. I can say that like, oh, Javante Williams is coming back from tearing multiple ligaments and he's back. You're a bull's broken leg. Come on. There's no excuse for that. Easy for me to say, you know, sitting in my basement on my comfy chair here. Uh, But um, hopefully he's better. I think I still need to see it to believe it for the entirety of the offensive line and the offense in general. I mean, who can you actually depend on on the offense? I can't think of a single person right now, actually, that I'm like, OK, I feel great about them. I'm almost see it and believe it for every single spot.
3: You can be apprehensive about what you're about to see and, and feel hopeful that things will get better. I, mm-hmm. I think they'll they'll get better because they really can't get worse than the mess that we saw last year. Yeah. But how much better is where the hope kicks in? Uh, what level of confidence do you have in that that, that it will improve 100 percent? That it will be a top fifteen. Not so much. I don't. I don't feel that yet. I, I need to see it. I want to. I want to see. There's so many moving pieces. As Nick just said, everybody. You know, Garrett Bowles needs to get better. Left guard. Uh, ben Power should be an improvement on, on Dalton Reisner, But how much of an improvement? He didn't look, look great in the preseason. The most improved player on offense in the preseason was your center. Mm-hmm. Was was Lloyd Cushenberry, who looks okay, which okay is a Big improvement over the last three seasons of Lloyd Cushenberry. Yeah. Uh Right guard, Miners was fine. Right tackle, we haven't really gotten to see much of McGlinchey at all. Uh, we haven't seen much of the the wide receivers either. Uh, feel pretty good about the offensive backfield. There I feel pretty pretty good. I feel pretty good about the running back room. Even Javante Williams or not, Perrine McLaughlin, and a getting healthier and stronger Javante Williams, I feel pretty good about.
2: Yeah. Yep, uh, we got Nathan Popol coming in here saying good morning fellas finally caught you guys live well welcome in nathan he says will the offensive line dictate the future of russ with the broncos also mclaughlin get more snaps than p ryan offensive line is probably going to dictate the success of this team in general uh the offense in general this year especially with how much they want to run the ball and uh, how much they probably need to protect russ i think it's going to be a very under center play action heavy team i think the broncos were had like the third or fifth lowest play action reps last season and russell wilson was like the third worst quarterback in pure uh, three-step drops. So it's like, well, maybe you should stop doing that. Uh, but this year, you're going to see a lot more play action and hopefully a lot less passing volume. That means more running, and that means the offensive line dictating the future of not just Russell Wilson, but the direction of this Broncos team. As far as McLaughlin more snaps and P. Ryan, I don't think so. Not, not At least not early. Uh, P. Ryan, they brought in. He looked pretty good in preseason. He's a more dependable player right now and um uh, McLaughlin, if he does take it that means something went right for McLaughlin. i think more than anything barring injury uh but P Ryan's going to get out snapping snapping him early
3: i think you could have more efficient snaps for uh for McLaughlin though yeah. you know, he could be one of those guys that comes in in spot situations and goes you know three carries for 25 yards like why did eight yards a carry why aren't we giving this guy the ball more um you know and then you you have P Ryan who's got to be that first and 10 back every time uh where you know he's getting two, three yards at a time and he ends up mm-hmm. with eight carries for 25 yards. You're like, well, I want this uh, this other guy. So I think you can have more efficient, more effective snaps because I think I think Pirine's gonna be doing more of the blue collar work out there. Mm-hmm. The between yeah. the tackles, run into a brick wall, soften them up and see if you can take some shots later.
2: And somebody who's, you know, part of the math. Uh, for pass protection, I think far more often. Yep. Uh, Jeremy Sean coming in saying Ch- Chiefs claim Darius Rush. Uh, I don't know what's going on there with theory, Darius Rush. I mean, he had kind of a volatile up and down career there at SCAR. Uh, he he but-
3: battled injuries with the Colts in preseason mm-hmm. and was never really out there. But I, I think that was a mistake. I think that was a calculated risk. That, remember, the Chiefs had 12 draft picks this year? 12. Um, and they didn't have a single player on their initial 53, that was over 30 years old. That that's a pretty impressive and kind of a telltale sign also. Um, but yeah, I, I would have thought very heavily about putting in a claim on Darius rush. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a big, I, I was a fan of his, I figured he was worth uh third or fourth round pick in the draft. I think the chiefs got him in the fifth. Colts. Uh, yeah. I think that's right. And, um, I, I would have thought about getting putting a claim on him before letting him get to 32.
2: Yeah. Yeah, we'll see what happens with him. Um, long player, uh, pretty good athlete, but injuries have been an issue. Uh, so we'll see how it plays out. Troy Bauer coming in saying, hey guys, seems like a year in which we will get, uh, we will get the longer we play, to- we'll get better the longer we play together. Yeah, coming together, new scheme. Uh, the big key to that is health. Uh, if you're dropping like flies, it's pretty hard to get better as the longer you play. But if you can stay healthy, keep guys off, you know, the hamstrings and the soft tissue injuries and the IR, then uh, you can definitely get better as the season goes along. But the Broncos have been really had bad, bad luck when it comes to health over the last five, six years. I mean, just almost like there's a trend there. I don't know. I'm not in the room, but uh, hopefully it'll be better this year. And hopefully they can stay healthy. But yeah, I mean, building something, Sean Payton. I mean, he's such a matchup based head coach that the more he understands his personnel and where to put the guys in the best situation, the better they're going to be. So I definitely agree with that, but health is always the asterisk on the side, you know, reading the, the fine print depending on health. So thank you so much, Troy Nine ninety nine. That's big time. Always coming in here and supporting us and helping us. We really appreciate, appreciate you. Mark Schrader in the house. saying good morning. Absolutely. No Christmas in the air here in Texas. Well, it's coming, Mark. I promise it's coming. It's coming. Gary fire in the house and go Broncos. Gary says also getting something at all for Alberto Quimona was a great move. I probably would have kept him uh instead of the lower value and worked out both the way to keep him, but it's it's such a small move that I don't really care that much. Uh Joseph comes in also this was the uh Joseph we thank you so much for your stars earlier. He says the best Broncos pod and duo. Buddy, there's so many better options out there now. <laughs> thank you so much Joseph. He says I never get to catch it live because uh live so I'm pretty jazzed. Who do you guys Think takes round three in the opener. Sertan or Adams. I really hope we can snap both losing streaks this year. Go Broncos. Uh, oh, he's talking about Devonte Adams for Patrick Sertan.
4: Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals.
1: I'm going to go with Patrick Chetan here because I think that Jimmy
2: Garoppolo missing so much time is going to cause that Raiders team to come out of the gates pretty slowly. And I think they're going to lean more heavily on the run game to try to protect Jimmy Garoppolo. So I'm going to lean just from a volume perspective, Patrick Chetan early, but uh, Devontae Adams is a pretty damn good player. Almost feels like he's become somewhat forgotten in Vegas because the Raiders have been so sad and you you have Tyree kill and Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase all being like, Crazy unbelievable, but uh, Adams still damn good. Yeah, I, I would think this is Adams.
3: Uh, Hunter Renfro looks to be back and that should help. Um, but I would go, I mean, Adams is going to get the lion's share of the targets there, where Sertan might not. Sertan might not even be the number one on his own team. We're talking about Patrick
2: Sertan beating Adams here.
3: Oh, I'm thinking, I'm sorry, I've got, I've got, um, Cortland Sutton. I was, I was actually working on this right now. all okay. was doing. Sertan or Adams? I'm sorry, I've, I got Sutton in my head in sir Tanner yes. Like I said, someone's. I think Orange Bucky said I need more coffee. You're right. It's uh, it, it hasn't been my best pod. I apologize. No, you're so if we can it. Close out the second half of this show. Um, but Joseph, sir or Adams? It. I'd still go Adams on this, just because it it leans so heavily towards the offensive side of the ball. You know, does Adams come away with four catches for 80 yards and a touchdown? Would you say that he won the day? Probably. If you win the game 24 to seven and shut everybody else down because you limited Adams that to, to to that, you, you took away everything else, I would feel comfortable putting Sertan on Adams and saying, I'm gonna shut everybody else down. Can Devontae Adams beat Pat Sertan enough by himself to beat the Denver Broncos? And the answer for me on that one is no. Can he have a good day and get his his numbers? Sure. Sure he can. Yeah. But I would feel good about putting Pat Sertan on Devontae Adams and take my chances and overload the rest of that offense and try and take
2: away everything else. I'd feel comfortable with that, Nick. I just think that how last season's matchup ended between Adams and Adams, you know, like in Sertan's face, that probably burnt a pretty good memory in Sertan. And he's been dreaming about this matchup since the schedule was released. So I know it's more offensive slanted, but I think Sertan's going to get it this time. I think he's going to end up winning that one, especially if Justin Simmons is back and playing well. I think... I'm excited about that matchup. It should be must watch TV for if there's anything that Broncos Raiders game for the national media to lean in on. It's Adams versus Sertan. Keith Brugman says, uh, what would you would love to get your expected percentage breakdown of throws to your wide receivers, tight ends and running backs, please? I think I can't tell you the exact percentage because I'd want to see what the league averages are here. And that's what I was looking at when I was, you know, messing up Corlin Sutton's
3: name in my head. So I got better answers for this one for y'all, Keith. Okay, let's hear it. <laughs> um, in in Sean Payton's last year, now let's keep in mind that he didn't have uh, Drew Brees. So that makes, makes a difference when you have your different quarterbacks. But it, in 2021, it was a more heavily skewed towards the wide receivers than I think it had been in previous years. So mm. the top running backs, and I, I only went with 10 catches or more when I looked at this. The running backs had 67 catches. The wide receivers had 124. The tight ends had 27. So the wide receivers had 50% more, 30% more than the running backs and tight ends combined. Now, if I roll it back to 2020, Alvin Kamara's numbers jump up from 47 to 81 catches, but your next three guys or wide receivers have 101 combined between Emmanuel Sanders and a gimpy Michael Thomas. And then uh, Jared Cook comes in with 37, wide receiver Traquan Smith at 34, and running back Latavius Murray at 23. So you're talking about it's spread fairly even but more mm-hmm. along the lines of 40%, 35%, 25%. I have to do the 100 up in my, in my head but it's it's still the bulk of the targets are still going to the wide receivers. Mm-hmm. And then the running backs and tight ends depending on which here come in close to combined having the same amount as the wide receivers.
2: Yeah. Hope I've overthink
3: myself a little bit.
2: You always a typical Saints offense. I would assume that the wide receivers on this Broncos team are going to be probably bottom five in terms of target dis- distribution uh, compare- compared to the league averages tight end, I think expected to be slightly above average and then running back even higher. It's one reason guys, I got to tell you, I am targeting Javante Williams in all of my fantasy drafts because I think he is going to get not only a good, this is going to be a high run oriented offense, but I think they're going to get the ball to the running backs hands a lot. Uh, I think that that's something that, what they were doing in preseason with the screen game, what they were doing in preseason with the quick half field reads, you know, going high to low, a lot of dump off options to the running backs. I think they're going to spam that running back option in the pass game. So I think, and that you don't even have an Alvin Kamara here. I don't even care. Uh, So I'm taking Javante Williams. You're getting a lot of, a lot of touches. So I'm leaning running back pretty high.
3: I think so too. You saw them really try and force feed the screen pass.
2: Yeah. Force Um, feed. They've got to get better way. at
3: that, but I'm I'm yeah. looking for little angle routes, you know, mm-hmm. little option routes where the the running back comes right up the middle at the at the middle linebacker and then chooses left or right based on where he's being shaded. Those those are option routes, or you know, if I go off tackle, an angle route is when I cut it right back to the middle towards the middle linebacker, or I read it and I go outside and it becomes a little uh, speed out, because the screen game hasn't looked good that's got to improve. I think I think that Sean Payton really wants to do that. I just worry in watching, I mean, how many offensive linemen have we seen now, Nick, for, for, for three years? We've seen Bulls, We've seen Cushionberry, We've seen Miners. I haven't really watched Powers and McGlinchey in the screen game, but Powers isn't overly mobile to get out wide outside the hashes towards the numbers. McGlinchey might be, so I might be able to run that to the right a little bit better than I can the left, but I, I think you're going to see a lot of, a lot of option routes coming out of the backfield to get the ball in their hands and short passing yards. And, yeah, and, I, and I, I think
2: McLaughlin can be
3: a huge weapon like yeah.
1: that.
2: I agree. And I think again, just the half field reads a lot of times the, you know, home run to check down option, making it simplified. They keep talking about Russ playing fast. Well, playing fast means probably not making a lot of full field reads and putting that much on his plate, which means if this and this are not here, get into the running back. Yeah. So I think they'll spam that.
3: Yeah. And, and I think you're going to want to keep the clock running early you know mm. until the passing game starts clicking the worst thing you can have for your defense is a three and out with the clock moving 30 seconds you know you take a kickoff and it's you know 14:30 and you're punting left on the clock i mean you've seen those games we've seen those games where the broncos are down 3 nothing 7 nothing there's 13 minutes on the clock you're like oh they they must have they must have kicked off no they received they just went three and out that quickly so i think they'll lean on the running game a lot anyway
4: Mm-hmm.
3: and and try and work the, the time of possession to their advantage early until the until the, uh, the passing game starts clicking.
2: Yep. Gonna see if they can bludgeon teams and then open it up. Phil McLaughlin, good morning. Nick and Scott, Holy Mackerel, I'm catching a live show. Good to see you, Phil. He says, getting set up for Comic-Con, otherwise never up this early. Well, have fun. Uh, have a great day, guys. Buckham and go Broncos. Yeah, have a great time at Comic-Con, man. That'll you'll, be great. You'll have a blast. The costumes there are worth going alone. I
3: went to, what was it, an E3? I think I went to one of the gaming conventions when I uh, was was in IT and I was about 25 years old at an E3 with all of those costumes. I walked around like with my, not not literally
2: hanging open, but close. Those are a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, Have not been to them. Um, I don't know. Mike McKaylee's real says, good morning, guys. (laughs) Austin H., I don't know if this is a compliment or not. says, Nick, are you Dungeons and Dragons kind of guy? Get those vibes from you. Never played Dungeons and Dragons to ADHD. It's probably one of the reasons I like to be outside, you know, constant stimulation and I can just keep going out there. But no, I'm definitely not a, uh, not been a Dungeons and Dragons kind of guy. I think the the farthest I've gone on the nerdy scale and God bless you if you play Dungeons and Dragons. Some of my friends love that stuff. One of my friends has like, got a 3D printer and like builds whole sets for campaigns. I mean, God bless them. I, I don't know. Uh, but probably the nerdiest thing that I do besides, you know, the violin stuff, whatever, uh, is. Besides that. Yeah, besides that, it's probably the one, uh, love, love, love Lord of the Rings.
3: Well, and that I was a Dungeons and Dragons guy. Um, didn't get to play as much. There just weren't as many people that did. I was I was really into math. Mm. I was I was a good, really, really good at math, understand mm. statistics, and love Lord of the Rings type of stuff too. Well, that's kind of yeah. what Dungeon and Dragons is. So yeah, I think about five years ago I put a post up on Facebook that was like, you know, for all y'all that used to make, you know, all you Game of Thrones fans that you used to make fun of us for playing Dungeons and Dragons. Apology
2: accepted. Yep. Like <laughs>
3: that's what this is. It's fun.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, I'm here. I'm as long as it doesn't infringe on the rights and happiness of other people. Don't yuck anyone's yums if they're happy. That's, God I mean, bless. That's it. all role playing
3: game was. It was. It was fantasy, which is what has gone berserk between the comic book movies and the Game of Thrones and Lord of the Rings. All that stuff has become super popular. Yeah. Um. And then mathematics. You know, it's it's based on can my guy beat your guy based on the traits
2: and math. And it was it was fun. I was good at it. Probability, which we play a lot of here with the NFL draft, too. Uh, so Great. Tony Wan coming in said morning all time to start breaking the bad streaks against starting with the Raiders. Yeah, let's uh, get the, this team back on the right track for sure. And I do want to talk about uh, Greg Rosenthal for NFL Network. Uh, he tweeted out a few interesting tweets yesterday that I thought We're worth getting into in his first tweet uh, yesterday and Greg does a good job. So this is not disparaging uh, to him in any way, but I thought it was interesting that he's putting it out there. And I want to hear what the chat has to say and what Scott has to say as well. So Rosenthal first tweeted out, and this is something I think Scott will agree with. uh, The 2023 Broncos are a perfect test of how much coaching matters. And Scott, this is something that you've talked about a lot uh, about, you know, people rubbing their hands, uh, clutching their pearls about giving them a first round pick. It's that going from Nathaniel Hackett in last season's, whatever the heck it was to Peyton is going to be huge and a massive difference for the Broncos this year.
3: If going from Nathaniel Hackett to, um, Sean Payton is worth a first round pick. Could you have done it without a first round pick? Maybe. And I think that's the problem people have. It's like, well, could I have gotten a coach as good as Sean Payton without having, to, without having to spend a th- a first round pick? Maybe, maybe not. But yeah. I know I got, I, I just, I can't really picture a better candidate that was available last year. Than, than Sean Payton. I can't. And to secure that guy, to have it only cost you a back third first round pick, totally worth it for me. Mm-hmm. And we will see how much difference it makes over the course of a year. This is the perfect example. That said, if I was the Nathaniel Hackett fan, or I'm a Jets fan in here saying, well, look at you just spent all this money on the offensive line and, and all of these, you know, these free agents. And you gave, you finally gave your head coach some authority to rein in Russell Wilson. Okay. Okay. I'm not buying it, but the rest of the team, again, when you saw, I've used this word a bunch of times, discombobulated, when you saw disorganized, discombobulated, that everything was last year, that the things I just mentioned that are now the positives for the Denver Broncos, you know, Russell Wilson being humbled two big money signings on the offensive line. Wasn't going to fix what ailed you last year, Nick. No.
2: Yeah, I mean, it is going to be a big testament to how much coaching matters, but I also think that every single year there's a little bit of static and chaos in the overall formula as well, because, I mean, that's what makes live sports great, right? It's unpredictable. Uh, But, like, the one-score game, like, I do expect it'll be better this year for the Broncos because of competency from coaching, but there is a little bit of static in that as well. I mean, a lot of like statistical uh, models you put in a variable for chaos (laughs) in there. And I think there's probably a little bit of that uh, in how bad the Broncos were in one score games last season that theoretically should uh, have a better chance to bounce back and be normal. And the other one is the injury luck. Now it's easy for me to say that year after year after year. And then for some gosh darn reason, (laughs) the Broncos continue to have unfortunate injury luck. I mean, Tim Patrick now Jerry Judy, not out for the year, but uh, Kwan Williams out for a bit. Uh, it's been unfortunate uh, in that uh, regard for sure. But that's another one where I expected the Broncos to have some bounce back, even if, let's say, they brought back Hackett for another year. I think this Broncos team probably would have improved by one, two games. Uh, But with Sean Payton, I'm expecting probably a three to six game improvement.
3: If if Hackett's back, this team quits 100%. Well, then we're talking
2: Caleb Williams, baby.
3: Quits (laughs) 100%. Yeah. They they quit. They had already quit on him last year. If he's yeah. back, this team starts zero and seven
2: until they they fire him. You you're probably right. I don't know. It's like things kind of you have such a far time away from the last it's the end of the last season to beginning of a new one. It's like they talk about momentum doesn't exist in an yeah, off so season. You go zero and three and everybody and hangs it up. Everybody talks about
3: it's a new season. We've learned a lot. This is blah blah blah. You start zero and three and the guys are protecting themselves. If Nathaniel Hackett's back, this team is one in
2: 16 at best. So you think like, even with all the same roster moves, it's a one in 16 team. Still, I think
3: maybe you get some guys in here that say, uh, okay, you know, uh, it's a clean slate and I wasn't here for this, but you've seen it before. I mean, these guys on long-term contracts, they're just running out the ground ball. If that guy start, Oh, you know, my hamstrings a little sore. I'm going to sit out the last six weeks of the season. They start protecting themselves, and they're like, I've got a long-term contract. I'll wait and see who they bring in next year. And they just flat-out mail it in. We see it every year, every single year. We saw it last year, Nick, with this team. We saw it with Vic Fangio in this team. That's why the culture and bringing in some of these new faces, we start talking, well, why would you bring in this guy instead of that guy? They seem like the same. On paper, maybe. But again, we've talked about the culture change and the Denver Broncos and how many of these guys have not experienced winning at all that a fresh start putting them in a new environment and bringing guys with that from an environment of winning is better for both players Hmm. and and the team overall so again i'm not saying that sean payton is is the only way that this could have been fixed but i'm telling you if nathaniel hackett was the head coach his team's got the number one overall draft pick
2: that's a whole different philosophical discussion there i mean (laughs) it'd be pretty damn hard to race the cardinals to the bottom here given their moves that they're doing right now but uh top 3 pick this year is going to be extremely valuable and Keith's right on this one it's the butterfly effect right if you change one thing in the past 10,000 things uh cascade from that uh but you don't have the roster moves being the same if you had Hackett, you might actually have seen a uh active teardown uh with that situation but yeah, it, yeah. We're at, you, where you we're can't at?
3: recruit you couldn't have recruited any free agents to this team that that mattered without spending 2x i mean money talks and you could have gotten a second tier free agent to take twice as much money as anybody else you wouldn't have gotten the guys going for championships
2: yeah yep yep uh we got ethan coming in 50 dollars, saying what do you guys think about picking up jalen rager who was released from the vikings not only wide receiver debt but also played most of last year on special teams i liked rager coming out uh from tcu i actually you know Hand to God, and I I saw God. I can't remember who it was. Maybe it was Trey Wingo tweet about this as well. So I'm not the only one who made a bad decision here. But I liked Rager more than I liked Justin Jefferson uh, coming out. Uh, just the speed and the overall production in a team that didn't have Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow on it. I thought you know I'm pretty good there from Rager, but never really lived up to it. Uh, struggled there. So yeah, if Rager is available. I don't know. I guess waivers already happened, so he's still out there. I guess. Uh, but uh, I wouldn't be against bringing in Rager. Uh, He could fill that role. Let's say you bring in Philip Dorsett, you call him up for a couple games, and then you have to move on from him. Come on down, Jalen Rager. You can play a similar role, but uh, has not lived up to it, has been fighting the ball, some catching issues, but he was a pretty good player at TCU, and uh, I think there's still something there as far as a depth wide receiver in the very least. All right. Why did I think,
3: and I might be 100% wrong on this, why did I think there was some off the field stuff with him? I don't remember anything okay. off the you field. you pay a lot better attention I just thought I remembered saying that okay this could be the end for him because of this and I'm like okay maybe I'm just getting confused I've been confused all morning um Ethan DWI guys great to see you again I know how busy you've been so we appreciate you taking the time to come in and show us support here on the last day of August as we get into September and football season so thank you my friend it's great to see you um you know looking at the, the numbers on Rager uh again, they're, they're okay. You know, he's a 300, 400 yard receiver. And if Philly went out of their way to go and get different guys and move on from him, that, that tells me a lot. I mean, Philly's a pretty good franchise to what are they doing? You know, we call it a copycat league all the time, Nick, you hear that all the time in sports, especially in the NFL. What are the Eagles doing? Mm, They're getting rid of this guy. That, that, that says something. And then the 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 Vikings who would what were they 14 and three last year? Um pretty good season. One year. No, 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 that's enough. Uh, and they've made some moves to bring in some new guys. So I, I think you can again practice squad fine, but yeah, it, it, it wouldn't you wouldn't do anything that would you wouldn't want any guaranteed
2: money. You wouldn't want that, but I think he'd come in cheap. It'd be low risk for sure. Yeah, and again, he's probably one of those guys that we talked about that's practice squad here for a few years, call him up a couple of times and like, oh not calling you up to the active roster. See ya, we will replace you. So uh, Jeremy says he also heard some other things about Rager. So I don't know. I'd typically ear to the ground for that. Mostly in the draft process though, unless they are breaking the law, then I don't hear anything as much in the league after the fact. So maybe there's something there, but thank you so much, Ethan. We appreciate that. But yeah, Scott, uh, bringing it back to the main topic of the show. Do you agree with Rosenthal that this uh, 2023 Broncos team are a perfect testament to uh, the how much coaching staff matters? And are you still of the opinion Where where are you at, I guess, in the spectrum of how much coaching staff matters on the totem pole of uh, impact of winning and losing football games?
3: I mean, I think overall, if it's hard to say exactly to quantify it, if you don't have it, you know, (laughs) like the Supreme Court said about pornography, you know it when you see it, you know, if you you, the thing is, is the expectations are that you have competent coaching. That's just an expectation. I should expect to have decent coaching. So everybody kind of discounts it. You know, yes, Andy Reid is better than this guy. And I can see the elevated level, but otherwise it's fairly a straight bar. Everybody's got competent coaching. Well, then how come everybody gets fired every three or four years? Cause everybody's the same, but when you don't have it, my God, it doesn't matter what else you've got, Nick, you know? So there's an expectation that I should just have competent coaching, but if you don't have it, I don't care who your quarterback is. I don't care anything else. So it's Yes, I expect to have power to my house to plug in my refrigerator. But if I don't have power, it doesn't matter what refrigerator I've got, if it's 50 years old or if it's brand new. Mm-hmm. But the expectations are that I should have it. So you you wildly missed last year on your coaching that you the the bump, your coaching bump will be wildly corrective. It will make mm. a huge difference for this team.
2: Yeah. Yeah, it's Major difference for this team, culture, expectations. I mean, accountability, it's big. Uh, It is certainly big indeed. The next part of Greg Rosenthal's tweet uh, that he had that I think is probably even more interesting is the point of how much coaching matters for the Broncos. It's not just the difference between Sean Payton and Nathaniel Hackett last year. It's Greg Rosenthal taking a small shot, I think, at the uh, Broncos overall roster. Uh, And he says that uh, overall, looking at this, uh, let's quote him exactly, I don't see an above average position group for the Broncos besides the secondary. So he's lumping safeties and cornerbacks together here. And when you have, you know, Sertan and the Justin Simmons there and a lot of good solid depth pieces as well, you know, solid uh, role guys. That makes sense. Secondary is above averages. I don't think there's any debate there, but outside of that, is there a single group on this Broncos team that is emphatically or obviously above
3: average? If you just say above average, that's, you know, that's not an overly high bar. Um, I'm not willing to say quarterback just yet, but I would think the quarterback play should be 15 or better, um, across. So yes, was it last year? No, it was mm-hmm. again, Bottom wildly bad. Jamonte Williams to McLaughlin, uh, perine That's an above average group. How many I are agree. there? 15 teams I would trade running back rooms with probably not. Are Jerry, Judy, and Cortland Sutton top 30 receivers as a pair? Probably it's just Judy's health, man. I just like can't Judy's even health and Cortland Sutton, him. you know, when Judy was drafted and Sutton's coming off this monster, year, you'd say, absolutely. Cortland yeah. Sutton's a top 10 wide receiver. Well, the expectations are Jerry Judy can be a top 10 receiver. And at one point, not too long ago, you thought Cortland Sutton was a top 10 receiver. So the receiver room as a pair, they can be above average without a doubt in my mind. The depth is a little, a little bit more questionable. Offensive line, you've paid for it. You're paying for an above-average group. Um, one weak link can ruin an offensive line. We've talked that a bunch. So if Lloyd Cushenberry plays well, even average, if Lloyd Cushenberry that'd plays be, average, that'd be great. <laughs> if Garrett Bowles plays average, the offensive
2: line is above average. That's okay. just offense. That's just offense. See, I look at this, and I definitely agree with you at running back position. Now, a lot of it's going to depend on the health of Javante Williams, uh, how much he can return back because. I think it's better to have one, you know, superstar running back than having two solid ones. And I'm not sure where the Broncos are at right now, following uh, Samaji Eric's following Javonta Williams injury the quarterback room. I'm probably a little bit more harsh on the upside, I think, still of Wilson. I think you're probably talking more 18 to 12 range, which puts him smack dab in the slightly below average to slightly above average range. So I'd put them as average right now. It's my expectation, which I think with good coaching, you can. Limit that mm-hmm. offensive line. I'm probably having it about average as well. Wide receiver. I'm pr- pretty low on that. I and mean, we talked a lot about Sutton doing this and Sutton doing that. But last year there was a lot of opportunities for him and he just didn't show up he, two years, three, three years in a row. Now we've talked right. about what Sutton did four years ago. I mean, even Sean Payton challenged Sutton with that. When he first came in, it's like, this is what you used to do. What the hell happened? Uh, so I th- I think the wide receiver room is below average right now. And can you trust Judy's had been injured every single year and missed time so far? So I'm concerned about that. On defense, we've talked a lot about the defensive line and edge rushing group. I think edge rushing group is probably the one that has the most like one of the most volatility of where they could be. Uh defensive line, I think they probably are a little bit safer, but I don't see this ceiling being super high or the floor super low. Linebacker, actually linebacker is the one I come to that I think is average to slightly above average. You got two solid contributors there. They're in the right spot. I think they're pretty good in this scheme as well. And then you have the upside wild card of a Drew Sanders in there. Singleton was awesome last year. And if you go across the league, there is a lot of butt looking linebacker groups out there. It's like, you're looking at like, I don't know who the hell these guys are. Uh, And you know, watching them. It's like, man, they are just run fits left and right. They're slow processing. They're terrible. Just not a lot of good linebackers out there. Uh, So I think that the Broncos linebacking group, honestly, is the running backs and linebackers are the two that I come to that. I'm like, I think these are the ones that I would say are above average.
3: I'd agree with that. And you got the, the, the Jingleton group with uh, (laughs) Drew Sanders. Yes. You know, with the upside, I I like that combination a lot. The question then becomes how much does it matter? You know, how much do the linebackers matter a lot? Again, you take them for granted until you don't have one until you're Mm -hmm. not making plays. And those three yard gains are turning into eight yard gains. And you're looking at second and two. Second and two becomes first and 10 with a 40-yard play a lot on yeah. the next play with play action on that. So I think it makes a big difference. The defensive line group right now for me is still the weakest. I, I think it's still the weakest link on this team is, is interior DL, depending on how you want to play it, and we'll see. You know, you can limit that by scheming around it. And then the health of the edge. You know, If Randy Gregory's out, Jonathan Cooper's battled injuries, you could be – bone, you know, paper thin on edge really quickly. And if you take that across the whole front five and say your edge group is volatile, like you said, and the defensive line group is short on manpower. Okay. Your front five
2: could be a big problem for
3: this team. So that's where, that's where I would go.
2: Yeah. I don't disagree with you one bit. I do think that it's a vol. The edge spot is probably as volatile as it gets because when Randy Gregory is healthy, I would put him in the top 15 of edge rushers in the league. And he can be, he can be a number one on a defensive front, but like he, he just not dependable. Uh, and Cooper, you know, being a starter, I think Cooper is still probably better as like one of the first guys off the bench rather than, you know, a starter out there. We're still waiting to see Nick Benito, the flashes are there, but what's the down to down consistency look like. So the, the front definitely is one I'm concerned about right now though, just with how this team is set up and you, I think they can somewhat divert the issues here, but I might be more concerned about wide receiver than any other spot. Uh, just how it's set up. And it's Jerry Judy being hurt and Cortland Sutton. I mean, I got to see it to believe it again. Uh, they, we keep talking about it. It's like, it's a has been, it's like almost like Madden, like uh, he's rated still at 85 based on what he did four years ago. It's like, yeah, well, he he's been at 72 for three years. So, but uh,
3: looking. <laughs> All right, so All right. everybody, that. everybody watch Nick's face. Cause we left something out and I'm going to watch him the eye twitch here a little bit what about special your special teams, Nick. Yeah.
2: Uh, special teams is so hard uh, because it's a rotation of guys in the back end. And it's not just just the break it down. Not, not
3: special teams as a unit, but let's just break it down individually. Kicker above average or not. I think average. I think, yeah, not, I don't think it's above average. will. Let's just below average. Yeah, we'll Lutz after- is We'll see, it, you know, yeah. again, and there's not a huge variation between kickers. So average is okay. Average yep. is dependable in this league. Yep. Um, There's, there's, if you get average kicking play, you're f- happy. That, that's fine. Again, it depends on what you're paying it. But, you assume yes. you're going again, like the linebackers, like your coaching, you assume you're going to get average kicking play. You know, I'm going to make eight out of 10 between 40 and 50 yards. That's, and I'm going to make nine out of 10 between 30 and 40. You yep. know, that's, Expect you. You can expect that as an NFL fan. Yeah. That's average. That's expected. Punter.
2: I think maybe. above average. Yeah, maybe. I think the ab- return yeah. game. We don't really know. Yeah, we don't really know. And then, I mean, special teams for me. Everybody talks about the specialists, but it's the the core four guys. You know, the ones who are out there for punt return unit, kick return unit, punt coverage, kick coverage, and that comes down to a lot of the discipline, intelligence, coaching, and quite frankly, athletes uh, that you have on the outside. I mean, I love it when, you know, Saban's out there. It's like a, our best, and Bill Parcells too, our best players are going to play special teams because like those reps matter and you know you can create uh, big plays. I mean, Beamer ball still lives in my opinion. So um, that's uh, that's another one that I think you're probably calling. I would call it, if we're calling special teams in general, they've just been so bad. I guess I'm calling them average until I approve otherwise just because they've been so yeah. eye twitching. call them above average yet, that's for sure no
3: yeah not yet the the quote was i only see one position unit above average and that's the secondary yeah and if you think of a base defense of only four defensive backs then your secondary is actually elite yeah you know you've got two of the best players in the nfl and you're taking up 50 percent of your secondary now we both know you're playing five or six defensive backs two-thirds of the
2: time Mm -hmm. yeah so I don't disagree with Rosenthal too hard on that. And he talks again you know, about coaching really mattering. And if the Broncos with what their roster looks like on paper, uh, only having one above average positional group, then I wouldn't fight him too hard. The one thing that is just from a team building perspective for me, a little bit like, ah, okay, fine. Is that the positions we listed, uh, you and I both agreed on uh, being above average, potentially the least important position on <laughs> each side of the line of scrimmage or each side of the ball. the running back and the linebackers, well, but paid, that's for sure. Yeah, I mean, what does the market say? All right, here we are, but uh, that is uh, that is unfortunate, but we'll see. Uh, and a lot of these guys, maybe it's not only that they have been uh, less talented, but maybe because of the coaching, it's not just the schematics, it's the discipline and development of players you have on the roster. So maybe bringing in these guys, I mean, we saw it last season, the technique from the offensive line just went down the absolute Crapper, they were butt like, if you will, uh, on that unit with uh, Barry coaching them. So hopefully they'll be better this year, but the coaching and the development matters too. So we'll see. I mean, I just look at it, you know, before Saban came to Alabama, you look
3: back at the guys they hired and you'd be like, how the hell can a program like Alabama hire Mike Dubose? Uh, Terry, you know, Francione was, you know, coming off a hot season, but he wasn't ready for the SEC in Alabama, for God's sakes. Mike Shula. You know, the program is going to chew, and then you get saved and You're like, okay, this makes sense. Take that to the Broncos. First time Vance Joseph. The Broncos can't do any better than Okay, Vic Fangio. Really? To Nathaniel Hackett. Come on! <laughs> to Sean Payton. This is Alabama, y'all. This is Alabama in the 2000s. Going from, I don't want to disparage these guys too much, but guys that were woefully underqualified for the job to a professional yeah. who has skins on the wall is a, is a phrase that I like to hear that we hear a lot on uh, mile high huddle. Now, can you have the same type of run that Nick Saban has at Alabama? No, it's, you can't do that in the NFL. No. Can you become a perennial playoff team again? Yes, you can.
2: Yeah. yeah I think the best case scenario is to become the Steelers under Tomlin. Uh, that's just you know amazing every year. It doesn't you talk about the Steelers? Like, where are they? Super elite, but they continuously you know no, no under five hundred seasons. Yeah, where, are they, yeah. where are
3: they? Where they continuously elite? Mike Tomlin. Yeah, yep. that's where.
2: Yep, and the defensive line. But uh, that's another conversation. Jeremy, Sean, uh, when you're trying to make a culture, when you are trying to remake a culture, you start with running the ball, stopping the run, and playing good defense. I would say that uh, running the ball, stopping running the ball, stopping the run, and good special teams uh, would be where you're starting because that trickles up.
3: Those guys and, I know, I would would throw in them.
2: turnover battle. Protecting them. On that would be my
3: third on that. Protect the football and mm-hmm. and go after it. So at least come in uh you know neutral on that, yep. but protect the football. Don't don't beat yourself. Limit the penalties. Yep. Take care of what you wouldn't normally think of as the easy group. Albert Knopper's coming in. He says, You think our running back group is just average? I think they can be a top five group. Albert, we we both said that those that's the group we thought was. Uh, above average, was running backs and linebackers. However, based on the way the NFL views running backs and linebackers through draft, through free agency, through salary, those might be the two least important position groups on the field. So when you start talking about where are we scared in the trenches and at quarterback and a wide receiver, that's a problem. Those are the most valuable places on the field based on draft picks, salary, et cetera, et cetera.
2: Yeah, it's unfortunate, but it's true. And just talking about top five, I mean, when you're looking at individual running backs uh, with the question marks, you still have Williams. I don't know if I could say emphatically that they're closer to top five than average yet. But I think you know, talking about top ten, certainly that would put them squarely above average. But like San Francisco with Christian McCaffrey, no. Uh, Cleveland with Nick Chubb, no. Atlanta Bijan Ro- Bijan Robinson, we haven't seen him yet. But guess what, no. Derek Henry still no probably no uh, Saquon Barkley no Josh Jacobs no I just you go down the list a bit there's a, some pretty darn good running back rooms and you have a chance to get in pushing the top five uh, but I don't think that that's as likely as you know 11 to 15 but uh, that's we'll, we'll see how it plays out and I think running back two is one it's, it is by committee a lot of times but if you have a true transcendent superstar that makes a bigger difference than having two B level running backs. So uh, we'll see how it plays out. And uh, we got to start wrapping it up here, but we got some stars coming in still. Michael Ranquios has a great show today. Nick and Scott on Broncos for breakfast, go Broncos and Buckham with a salute. Thank you so much, Michael double dipping today. We really do appreciate that. Also wanted to circle back around again and thank Ethan again. I always, you know, when Ethan comes, I have to tease the linebacker stuff a little bit, but dropping $50 today, man, that is big time. Troy coming in twice as well. Uh, you guys have been killing it. Um, Gary Palmer, Joseph, uh, Semedini coming in Perry West. Uh, you guys killing it. Phil McLaughlin. Thank you guys so much for all the support today uh, on this Thursday when things are a little bit, you know, ramping up to the season. Uh, things are slower because we got through the 53 practice squad announcement. We didn't even talk about that that much today, uh, other than, you know, guys hopping on and off. I guess I can run that through that real quick as my mouse's battery is dying. But Ben DiNucci is back. Broncos bringing Philip Dorsett and David Sills. Tyler Lancaster back. Lil Jordan Humphrey back. PJ Mustapher back. Tyler Beatty back. Art Green cornerback back. Marcus Haynes, edge rusher back. Uh, Demandre Jacobs is back. Michael Bandy is back. The Broncos also brought uh, Hagi Nebedusi back, and he doesn't count. In, Debussy. in Debussy back. He doesn't count towards the practice squad numbers because he's an international player, so I think the Broncos Correct. get 17. So you're one of, of the him. only teams that has 17 on your practice squad. And, like, why not, right? Like, what does you have another player here. If you can, then why not? Mm-hmm. Uh, You also have Will Sherman is back. Uh, You brought back Jordan Jackson and Dwayne Washington. Uh, Devin Key also back. And one move the Broncos did make that was a new player coming on the practice squad was Lucas Kroll. Uh, Out there, I think another player that had some uh, Saints ties as well. And he's a big boy. Uh, 6'6", 260. I want to say that he went to Rutgers for some reason that stands out in my mind. But uh, I digress. There's your uh, Broncos uh, fantasy or Broncos Practice squad, those wide receivers are going to be coming up and off and on. I think those are probably the ones you're looking for the most there. He was pit, and he Pitt. had a day like yes. Albert Okawabenom had on the last day as well. So if
3: you were to just look at box scores and say, which guy do I want? You'd be like, uh, I'm okay with either one. They look like the same guy to me. So he had like a six catches for 106 yards in the final game for the Saints too. And you're able to get him on the practice squad. So that's that to me is a nice... uh uh, not i won't say door prize but that's a nice trade-off to have so to speak to to bring him in um nice. he is what kind of numbers did he have at pit he actually was a much bigger receiving threat in 2021 than um than nate atkins nate atkins didn't really do a whole lot in college honestly but in and he would have had picket for 2021 i would imagine nick mm-hmm. and he uh, he played 14 games at yes. 38 receptions for 451 yards and six touchdowns at six six two sixty. 260 so that's a that's a hell of a practice squad edition and a hell of a way to send us off old QC coming in Quentin Caldwell coming in He says good morning guys sorry I'm late but we're glad you're here if you have any uh you know questions or anything as you I'm sure you're gonna rewatch it because you are very interested like that <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, leave them in the comment section after the fact yeah. on YouTube and we'll get to them so appreciate you coming in Quentin and taking the time
2: to support the show as we're closing out it's it means a lot to us. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Thank you so much. And Patrick coming in. Aloha, my coffee brothers. Thank you so much for the coffee. Opened up a new bag today. ground, ground some uh, fresh beans. So good, man. We really love lion coffee. Shout out to you guys for being one of the biggest benefactors we could have possibly imagined on these shows. So Thank you so much. And I do remember Lucas Kroll now, Scott watching Kenny Pickett. I think he wore number seven and he had like long blonde dyed hair. So a very fun player out there. He was like the number two passing player weapon for them along with behind jordan addison of course but yeah, i really I mean, like
3: 500 yards is a
2: tight end in college is nothing to sneeze at that's a no. that's a pretty good weapon big guy too i just remember him being massive at six, and six, 260 pounds and wearing a single digit makes him look bigger but anyway i digress guys talking about looking bigger we got to get on out of here it's time for some breakfast uh, appreciate everyone coming in and saying hello uh Hopefully everybody has a great week. Make sure you're following Scott and I on Twitter. Here we go. Since my mouse isn't working, there we go. Follow Scott and I on Twitter. Scott is at Scout Kennedy. I am at Nick Kendall MHH. Also make sure you're following us at BFB underscore pod, as well as at mile high huddle. If you haven't done so yet, join our Facebook communities, facebook.com forward slash mile high huddle and facebook.com forward slash mile high huddle pod. And as the ticker says here underneath, please subscribe to mile high huddle over on YouTube. Like this channel, like this show and uh, share it on your social media platforms. Chad always, you know, shares it out after the fact on Twitter, on Instagram, on wherever. If you see it out there, do us a big favor, repost it, retweet it, whatever they call it. Helps us a lot and it's completely free. Uh, click a thumbs up on the way out the door as well. We appreciate you. Any final thoughts, Scott? Good luck to your... Good luck to Sean tonight. Everybody stay oh, healthy you. out there big time. That's a big one. We're in, I'm representing
3: today. John's Creek gladiators. That's, uh, that's where we are. And uh, I was a guest on a Falcons podcast the other night and didn't even realize that it said all Falcons under my name. So no my, mile high huddle. Bron- yep. You know where you can go? Broncoscountry.com. Chad's got that one.
2: Broncoscountry.com. That's the way to go. Let's ride. Well, guys, thank you so much. You have a great rest of your day. Have a great weekend. Continue to choose kindness and compassion. And as always go Broncos.
4: MyPatriotSupply.com